0: Here it is, episode 3 of Making Games is Fun I spoke with Dan Gray this time at Us2 Studios over in East London This is the first time we've done anything like this since I followed and documented him at Hello Games in series 1 of Making Games is Fun so it was good to see him again Uh, Dan's a really nice guy very natural, easy to interview so this is a a great interview Um, We get into Monument Valley, the BAFTAs a little bit, um, nice bit of chatter and quite a deep personal story as well involved in the middle here, which is I was I was really thankful to Dan for him feeling comfortable enough to share that with me on this podcast. So that's something to to listen out for. Don't forget, we have a Patreon, which is at patreon.com forward slash M G I F for making games is fun. Uh, if you do enjoy this, please consider uh, donating to that. We have one Patreon supporter as of as of the time of recording. So thank you to you, Rob Crossland. I love you. <laughs> right, that's enough. Uh, that's enough, Mad Nutter. And don't forget that to follow the whole experience, you can go to GarethDutton.com forward slash mgif. And that has the full article that accompanies this and some photography of the US2 studios and Dan's lovely face. Right, without further ado, let's get stuck into it. Episode 3 of Making Games is Fun.
1: That's one of the sort of cornerstones that we've, I mean, that I've tried to push since I arrived, was to create things for humans, not just games people. People who don't know they like games yet. Like everyone in that team has the same outlook that I do, whereas they probably sat there as a kid and they're doing their dream job right now. Like, I, I don't necessarily believe in fate, I'm quite like a scientific logical person. Yeah. Right. Apart from the odd time where you just like, this this is a little bit too strange. And then suddenly, you get a phone call. You get a phone call straight away whilst in that meeting. Left the room, took the call, and he was like, "Daniel, you need to come home."
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Making Games is Fun. Today, I am at us two, and I'm here. There's two of us. That's clever, isn't it? And I'm here with Dan Gray. How How's are you, going, Dan? Mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Have you heard that joke before?
1: Many, many times. The worst is when you go to a game show and we can only afford to send like two people. Yeah. And you say, "Hey guys, congratulations on making money with Valley on your own." But <laughs> it's not actually us. Uh, it's no. actually about two hundred people. It's, it's actually one of the most confusing and worst names, I think, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's also spelled with a lowercase u, like the majority of the time. Yeah, and an uppercase t. So <laughs> no one even knows how to write it. People who work here don't know how to write
0: it. It's <laughs> just just massive confusion. Um, let's start, Dan, with the big question. Yeah. Who here has currently got the best Street Fighter game?
1: Oh, it depends. depends. Be, be honest. Do we class just the games team or non-games people? Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's we the can question. bring him. in. Is
0: there some dark courses?
1: I would say there's uh, a couple of lads who practice extensively. There's a guy, guy by the name of Danson. Right. Works in the sort of Coros 2 business. He's yeah. probably about the best, or he's on par with Manesh, He's one of our programmers on the games team. Who does he mean? Just watch the two of them just do Ken Ryu matches constantly. <laughs> Ken Ri, oh that's so boring. It's the most man. boring. And even like the three new people you've started playing recently, they all just play Ken. This is how it works. And sake. then there's probably like me and Mike just below that. Yeah, he plays. He plays a bit of Balrog. You're I play, in, you're I play in a the top bit tier. Of Bison. Lower tier. <laughs> I'm 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 like probably B C tier. You're Vega B, though, C, though, aren't C tier you? Here. Vega or or Bison. I alternate
0: your vega's good man vega's fun man
1: basically anybody who can um, run away is it's, it's probably, uh, probably who my main is
0: well I'm jury so I can't talk it's yeah. all about keep away man it's all about legs
1: yeah but all about the legs
0: <laughs> well what about if we have a tournament right yeah if I win can I have one of the BAFTAs
1: yes but in in response uh, we get your first born well, that's, that's <laughs> what that's if I lose works. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's fine.
0: They give me a bit more time to do shit, so I'm I'm cool with that. we got. We've <laughs> I might got throw two. it.
1: The two the two have got to stay in here. We did we did like a random roll for who got the spares. Yeah. Um. In the rest of the team. So yeah, we've got two that always stay in the studio, but no, yeah. you're not allowed on. I
0: either. don't
1: have one for my house. What's so, it? If, so if I don't have one in my house, you're definitely not allowed in your What house.
0: do you mean spares? Like well, backup buffs.
1: No, because you know you get you get like the ones you get given on the night. Yeah. And then I think you get you get three actual physical awards total for each win so if we win two there's actual actually six awards
0: oh whoa, yeah. what cuz if you like... imagine
1: if you imagine most people like they for us we just put development team whereas for most people they go i am an actor yeah. an actor <laughs> yeah. and yeah. i have one in my agent's place and i have one in my house and i have one in my studio um, so it usually works like that
0: oh my god so i thought it's just one coveted golden no, there's just three. loads of them.
1: We've got six total. Even though I, we should just laid them all out and say we won six different <laughs> different awards for different things.
0: Yeah, you should. It's like a party bag you're going with a doggy I bag really of wanted, bastards.
1: I really wanted to tell people we were going to win um, best game. Like that. That was funny in itself because I think yeah. the off the top of my head the category was uh, for best game. It was Alien Isolation, Dragon Age Two. Yeah. Um, what else so is it? Destiny. Mm. Uh, Mario Kart and <laughs> Monument Valley, <laughs> which is the most like insane category. And uh, for some reason, I had like you know like one of those classic American sports movie moments in my head where we thought we might pull through like, <laughs> at the very last moment when we were going to run up, like the but basketball no, it, it thing, wasn't, yeah, like Mighty Ducks or something.
0: Like two seconds to go, and they just put a three-pointer or something.
1: Although the worst thing is, is that you kind of know mm. who's going to get announced before it gets announced. Obviously, got the TV crew, don't we? Oh. so what happens is that the tv crew with the cameras crowd around a certain area of people yeah so like, they get the shot correct <laughs> so if you go into the category and you're like where are the camera guys why are the camera guys not looking at us? <laughs> you've got it wrong you, you already know that you're not going to win anyway so
0: <laughs> you're like guys we're over here guys you got the wrong guy we're here we're here <laughs> it's amazing let's talk about the baftas a little bit like so this is your first bafta i understand
1: Te- technically, yeah. Although I think, <laughs> I, I, I think, even though I was just a QA tester on yeah. Fable Two, I think by proxy I should get to claim, <laughs> I should get to claim another one
0: just by being on the credits. Did you get up on stage like thank
1: uh, you? No, I, I wasn't even there. No, I was, I, was I, was in the, I was in the credits, but you know, I'm. I think that when it's like a few years from now, I'm just going to put it down as another thing, even though I had practically zero impact.
0: <laughs> well, how how did it feel to you to be part of that in the sense of like because in terms of mobile gaming it's still relatively speaking it's obviously it's a lot bigger these days but to be amongst BAFTAs for it it's that's kind of a big deal I mean and you know we could argue that you've spearheaded some of this stuff as you've you've come in you know straight from fresh from Hello Games and sort of been instrumental in sorting all this out like how did that feel to you to be like right you're off to the BAFTAs you've got your suit on this is like this. A lot of this is your work, and it's in a sort of area of gaming that isn't. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, it's funny. like
1: the, the BAFTA thing. In all honesty, was it was almost like it was like a bit of a homecoming because if uh. you if you imagine the game came out on third of April last year yeah. on iOS, so two thousand and fourteen, um, and the BAFTAs were what March, mm. March of this year. So it's practically one year. Yeah, um, and we've been fortunate enough to be nominated for different awards over the course of that year. Um, most of which were in the US and some in some other places as well. Um, but what always happened was that we would only be able to send like one or two people. So say we were at GDC, there was three of us there for the Choice Awards or yeah. you know, various people in New York or San Francisco to go and do stuff. But BAFTA was the only one that we could attend as a team. And that's what you want, really, because it's the team that deserves everything, not one or two people who get to come on podcasts and speak and like <laughs> get sent across the world to go and talk to people. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice just to have that was almost like the end of the chapter yeah that was to us that felt like the end of the Monument Valley chapter
0: hmm yeah because there was but mean, what about what about you
1: yeah me personally
0: if you just pull yourself back and like obviously I know you're a, you're a big team player I, and, I'm,
1: uh, I'm always about a team yeah But no like, I, there's no I am not I'm not saying like <laughs>
0: I'm not saying did you go out there and go yeah this is all my work I, I, what I mean is like how did you feel about it like Go into the BAFTAs in terms of like personal achievement because like, yeah, it's, it's something it's all, associated it's with film you know And
1: it is like I, I said to the I said to the guys like after, after we won the two it's, it's easy enough to start being at the party afterwards and starting to drink champagne and chilling out yeah. I said guys you know can I just take you upstairs we're just going to go for a quick chat so yeah. the whole team upstairs Yeah. and just said listen I want you to think about the, the enormity of actually what's happening right now like, we've been to a couple of award shows, and it just passes you by, and you forget to think about it. And just to take a moment out and go, this is completely crazy. Like, this is something that your nan has heard of. Like, none of the rest of these <laughs> things that you're going to win. Or even the game, they never would have heard. They don't even know what an iPhone is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, to win a BAFTA is its an insane achievement. It's something that I don't know if I would ever be on that sort of stage, accepting one,
0: yeah. on a personal level. Like, you wouldn't have thought of that when you started in games, like, that that would even be... Well,
1: I mean, like, in all honesty, just the idea of of working in games in general was like a lofty aim. Like, I I told this story quite a few times, but it's an interesting one. Like, when I was about 10 or so,
0: Hmm. we
1: were at a family meal, and there was me with my grandma and my auntie and uncle and my mum and dad and my cousins. And, um, you know, we are going around the table and they were saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, I, was like, I want to be a fireman, I yeah. want to be an astronaut, I want to be a fashion designer. And I said, I want to make computer games. And uh, everyone on the table laughed at me. They were like, oh, that's so cute. Cute little child with these aspirations. <laughs> and I was like, no, I was like, no, I am.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I, I, was a, I, I was a bit of a serious kid, I guess. Yeah. I was like, no, if I say something, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. definitely going to do that. <laughs> and I ran into the kitchen and I took a marker off the side and I wrote it on my, uh, you know, you get those little cork boards, like yeah. notice boards. Yeah. wrote on my nan's, my nan's notice board. And um, she kept it there until very recently. And I've been working in games for the last like eight years now, or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to be able to get to that point. I mean, yeah. I always thought that's a great interview story. Like, guaranteed a job to tell that story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so even that, even my aim just to be able to work in games at that point was the was you know an achievement to me and myself. So to be at this point now after only eight years, yeah, is kind of accelerated.
0: So it's important to you, like, like massively, Yes, like- it's massively
1: important. Oh, I, d- I don't know whether that, that comes across in an egotistical way of validation. I don't think so. <laughs> I think so. that we were, like, for us, the success was making the game that we wanted to make and getting it out on time. Yeah. I mean, for me as well, like, the idea that we committed to a date and got it through yeah. reflects on me quite a lot. Um. So, yeah, it's been a crazy adventure up until this point.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it goes, I feel like it goes a long way to legitimizing. Gaming and particularly mobile stuff, you know, like that—that's a cool. Yeah, that.
1: Well, the whole the whole mobile space is. Yeah. Like, and it's not just us. Like, there's a whole wave of of mobile games that you know, the last few years before Montréal Valley, that put um, quality and user experience over quantity and thousand-hour game loops. Yeah. You know, there's not there's not just us leading that charge, but we're you know we're we're one of few. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, like many people have said, oh, crap! I wasn't expecting graphics like this on a. Mac. What do you mean by graphics? Like, it's actually all. Yeah. It's just yeah. Art, direction. art direction. Like, it's yeah. not. It's not all these pixels. That's such res. Many wow. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a weird.
0: That is a weird um, distinction. A lot of people fail to make is between num how like number of graphics yeah. and, and art direction, which is yeah. like like a big thing in games as well. Like where things are going. Like although you still get. A hardcore base of fans who complain about not they're not being in a foliage in a game as as much as was promised you know we get get the same about
1: game length and stuff i think like one thing that we tried to do with the i mean the art direction is one of the biggest pulls of monument valley anyway is for us to create an art style that looks like it's for your average person Hmm. like if someone sees our game it doesn't necessarily look like a game it looks like a piece of art yeah and that that's intentional yeah. If you, there's sometimes you look at a game, and for your average 50 year old woman on her way to work on the train in the morning, they look at a game and they go, I don't really want to play a game. Yeah. You know, but th- this might seem more enticing than that. I get that's one of the sort of cornerstones that we've, I mean, that I've tried to push since I arrived was to create things for humans, not just games people. People who don't know they like games yet. Yeah. Know, expand what that is. Is Monument Valley even a game? Because it's not challenging.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah it's breaking out of that um, that language that's built up that is kind of exclusive isn't it where you're like you need to know this and that and just talking to somebody about it like if you put someone you know who doesn't know about games and they're like you put them in a room a a virtual room I mean and they go why can't I open this door it's not really a door it's just a painting of a door you Mm -hmm. can't go through it no but I want to go through the door there's a fucking door there and you're like no. it's funny it's It's
1: it's trying to break that sort of paradigm of length as well like length doesn't necessarily equal value that's yeah. something that we've gone over time and time again over the last 12 months. Mm. Like, if you were to shove in another three hours of Bruce Lee one inch punching people in End of the Dragon, it doesn't necessarily make it a better movie. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, some yeah. things are best left with people wanting more. If if the main criticism of Monument Valley is people say, not long enough, then we know almost everybody finished it. Yeah. And If that's, and, the, and that's the main it. criticism, yeah. then I'll take that every single day of the week
0: that's basically implicitly saying we wanted some more of it which yeah. means they liked it at the very least yeah, yeah. Um, so if we trace back a little bit um, I like that little story that's a good that's a good like story in the pocket to come yeah. out with like you, you wrote on a what do you do mean, I mean like mean, a little like do you mean well not magic writer more like a well
1: more like a sharpie you know like you get those you get those cork boards and you get the little pins you just pin stuff to them
0: yeah, like a yeah, notes like board.
1: Like a notes board, yeah. But yeah. I just wrote on it in marker so no one could take <laughs> it off. <laughs>
0: nice. This is set, in stone. Yeah, that's quite set
1: in stone. Daniel will make computer games.
0: Daniel will. And then so from there, was Lionhead your first. Yes, yeah, so the so story
1: of that story that's crazy one. Went to um, went to college in Stockport originally. Um, hardly went in. I was that kind of person where I wasn't that interested in education unless it was to do with games I just yeah. con- i constantly kept thinking if I'm doing something I enjoy I'll put 110% in it yeah. until then I'll just do the bare minimum to get by Great. like I remember being at secondary school and um, they said okay to go to college you need to get five A to C's right and um, they called my parents in because I told my French teacher I was like okay what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna concentrate on six subjects and do six subjects really well and then I'm not gonna revise or study for the rest of them So I'm going to do IT, I'm going to do art. I only concentrate on the subjects that I thought would be useful for making games. Yeah. Um, So obviously saying this to my French teacher, uh, and saying (laughs) I'm I'm basically not going to study. didn't go down very well. But yeah, got the grades I needed to go to college, Um, did the same again at university, ended up going to Leeds Met Uni after that, Mm. Um, and first year again. I partied a little bit too hard. I think I, I think I got past my first year with like a forty-five or something. But it doesn't matter because that's like it's the bare minimum you need. Is as, as you got the second year? It's not even recorded. Um, second year did slightly better. I got like low sixties or something. So like sort of low two one. Yeah. Um, and then basically didn't do anything apart from work in my third year. Right. And then ended up graduating, graduating with a first. Peaking at the right. It's all about peaking at the right time. Um, so peaked at the right time there. You, you basically crunched it, right? Yeah, that was my preparation for making games. <laughs> Doss around at the beginning, think about all these like pie in the sky ideas, and then do a billion hours worth of work in a week <laughs> towards the end. But oh yeah, so did that, um, came out of uni. I mean, I'd, I'd really love to see the statistics on this, like the amount of people who do game design related mm. uh, degrees in the UK. Like I know that out of my course, probably out of 60 or so people who started it in the first year, maybe 20 graduated at the end of the third year and even out of that I probably only know another two people who work in games Hmm. which is a ridiculous conversion rate why do you think that is? because games education in the UK is lame yeah it's because it's all about putting bums on seats and money in pockets yeah like you know there's a couple of good places in the UK that are trying really hard to up their game but for the most part it's it's coaxing people in with things that are interesting like come and spend a semester writing this massive game design document that will be completely useless to you when you leave university Mm -hmm. (laughs) people come out of uni thinking they can walk into jobs as a game designer Mm. but nobody actually goes in and tells them that's not the case Yeah.
0: Um, do you think it's just the fact that the whole curriculum needs to be just totally shifted, I know mm -hmm. like um, people like Ian Livingston are yeah. directly I don't know if he still is but he was directly involved with the government saying this yeah, is yeah a few shit. people
1: are really trying to push that forward that's the thing
0: <laughs> just needs more
1: yeah it, it just it definitely needs more and it needs to be more realism with what jobs are actually available when you graduate Because hmm. so many people who just thought that writing game design documents was going to get a job making games it's just not the case yeah. I spent most of my third year I learned more from staying at home and doing tutorials on 3D modelling and animation and programming than I did at university
0: yeah and, and think-
1: then, even then when I graduated, I spent months not thinking I was going to get a job. Like, I, almost, I genuinely almost gave up. Right. Because, like, like, do I just go and take a normal job now? I was having to I was having to work a full-time job for money. Yeah. I didn't have any money. Um, and, same, and the same thing with university as well. Like, I, luckily, I was at university at a time before the tuition fees were an astronomical amount. Right. And I was fortunate enough to have my tuition fees paid for me by the government, because it was means-tested, and I wasn't from a very... Um, sort of financially secure background. Right. Um, So I had to work a full-time job when I finished university whilst trying to put a portfolio together to get a job, which is a nightmare. Um, Mm. Ended up moving back in with my father at the time, um, finished my portfolio, and yeah, eventually got got a work experience week at Lionhead, which consisted of me um, finding out on a forum, because Bullfrog was my favorite games company growing up. right? Played Dungeon Keeper religiously, Theme Hospital, Magic, yep. magic Carpet. Um, and I found out on the forums, line of forums, that they did a work experience week in the QA department. Right. Rang them up, said, hey, you know, have you got any openings for the work experience? They're like, no, no, we, we haven't got anything for another four months. And I was like, oh, gutted. Anyway, I rang back every single Friday for eight weeks in a row.
0: Hmm. So has anyone
1: cancelled? anyone cancelled on Monday? Has yeah. cancelled on Monday? And eventually, the, one of the times I rang, they said, yeah, someone's cancelled on Monday. I was like, right, I'll be there. Put my uh-huh. name down and I'll come down on Monday. And that was like unpaid weeks worth of work experience. Um, so yeah, I came down and did that. Luckily, uh, my girlfriend at the time was living, in the, was living in Essex. So it was still a two and a half hour journey there, two and a half hour journey back every day. Mm. Um, but yeah, just got my head down over the course of that week. And at the end of it, ended up getting, a, getting offered a job in QA.
0: Man, that's, uh, yeah, just the perseverance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's what it is. It's perseverance, and you know, it's one thing I've always thought, and that's understanding the rules of the game, and not, not making a game, yeah. but just the environment and the playing field you find yourself in. Yeah, and that's the same kind of thing I do now. Like when it comes to marketing games or making games or what we should and shouldn't make or how we should and shouldn't act. Yeah, that's all about understanding your environment and playing, playing to your strengths. Yeah,
0: it's just yeah. something you. Uh kind of comes well, I was saying say naturally to you it's something you've always done I think
1: yeah I think understanding people understanding the expectations of those people and getting the most out of you and others I guess yeah I always like someone says what do you do And I'm like what's What's the name of that uh the old guy old Kai from Dragon Ball Z you know the guy the guy who <laughs> meets and he like maximizes like I'll let you unleash your your inner spirit animal <laughs> like that. <laughs> that that's basically how I summarize I summarise my job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's been able to maximise others. Yeah, just like that. Guy. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so your first, so your first—is that your first ever job? Was at Lionhead, or did you do? You say you did I mean, some random bits jobs. And bobs? Yeah, like jobs prior mm. to that.
1: Non-games related. But I did a load of jobs before that. I've done so many things.
0: Do you do loads of different little bits and bobs?
1: Oh yeah, I was a window cleaner when I was like fourteen.
0: <clears throat> oh we? Right. Yeah. So like you did that, and before uni, and then.
1: Well, I did window clean when I was 14. Yeah. Um, then when I was 16 and I was going to college in Stockport, I worked in Next, the clothes shop. And I, what I'll always remember is that they would only give me four-hour shifts and they'd only pay me £3.27 an hour, which worked out like, what, like 13 quid a shift or something? Yeah. Right. It used to cost me three quid to get there and back. <laughs> and then because I was there for four hours plus the hour there, hour back, you I would have worry. to get something to eat. I was yeah. coming home with the like £5, pound, five pound a shift or something. Worked at Tesco. I worked on the tills at Tesco for a few years. Yeah. Um, whilst I was at college, and then worked in bars. Worked in a bar called uh, Headley Taps when I was at Leeds. Um, were there for a couple of years, and then worked at British Gas as a planner, like to plan gas repairs and stuff yeah. like that. That's um,
0: some, there's no like logical throughput between Well, there all is those. isn't. It's
1: just like, will you give me money? Yes, I will work. <laughs> um, but yeah, were loads always, of random stuff.
0: And we always thinking did you still always have in your head like I want to still want to get find a way into games in oh yeah of course S- yeah.
1: since that moment I wrote that sentence on my nan's noteboard. <laughs> that's impressive that's, that's always the thing
0: so what do yeah. your, what do you, what's your family's opinion on your games career like, like how has that changed as well because obviously you've been in it a long time like Thinking about like when you first got into Lionhead to like now, what is You their... mean forgetting the
1: time where they initially laughed in my face, age 10? <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and also like if you went, right, I've got a job in games now, it's at Lionhead. No, it's a really big deal, no it is. Or were they just like, I don't... Well, I mean know. that's
1: the thing, like when, when your family see you working so hard, <clears throat> yeah, and they, they had seen me working so hard, and they'd seen how much I would cared for something. Not just whilst I was at uni, but that's all I'd ever talked about hmm. since, since when I was growing up. Cool. Since I got given my first Atari ST playing games that was the, always the thing that I wanted to do right um, which makes me feel quite fortunate that I've always had that sort of singular direction yeah um, so when that came off yeah they were they were ecstatic for me it was um, yeah, that's cool it's a really strange one let's get a bit of a deep story but the you know yeah. I mentioned earlier about um, me getting offered that first job at Lionhead yeah so that day if you imagine that's the Friday of, of that day okay um, that coincided with. I, I don't necessarily believe in fate. I'm quite like a scientific, logical person. Yeah, right. Apart from the odd time where you just like, this this is a little bit too strange. Um, up until that point, where I'd been working in games, I'd moved home because at the time my mother wasn't very well. Mm. Uh, she had cancer, and um, as I was working at home, I got I got offered this work experience week, uh, and I decided to take it. Um, and I saw my mum that weekend before I went down to Linehead.
0: Right. Um,
1: sat down with her for a little bit she wasn't that well and uh she said uh, daniel i'd wish you luck but i know you're not going to need it because you work too hard <laughs> uh, so i was like okay thanks mom she's like and one day you're going to make a game that everybody really loves and i was <laughs> like okay cool thanks and then i i left on the sunday and then went down to go do to this week's worth of work experience anyway what my um what my family didn't tell me that week was that she was actually getting much worse, like health-wise throughout the course of that week. Yeah. But they didn't want me to just, because they knew what I would do. They knew I would just quit that week and come back up. Of course, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. kind of they kind of kept it a bit of a secret to me that week. Yeah. Um, and on that Friday, when um, the QA manager at the time called me into the boardroom to come and offer me the job, got me into the room and said, Daniel, you've done a really, really good job. Um, you've worked really hard. I don't want you to come back and work with us full time. Happiest moment of my life. If you imagine all the, all the steps and all the hard work up until that point, it had all been building to, towards getting your, offered your first job making games. Um, I was happy, I was over the moon. And then suddenly you get a phone call, get a phone call straight away whilst in that meeting. You know? uh, get asked, I was like, do you mind if I take this call? Left the room, took the call, and he was like, Daniel, you need to come home straight away. We've tried holding it off as long as possible. But your mum's really, really not well. And yeah, she's, she's, in, she's in the hospital now. You need to come back tonight. So, left Lionhead, got the first train home I could. Um, everyone at Lionhead was really nice at the time. They're like, Hope everything's okay. Really sorry you can't stay. And you know, let us know if there's anything we can do. Um, got the train back that night, and she passed away that night. Man. The same night that I got offered that's, um, my first job in games.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And then the last thing she said to me as well, they're the last conversation we had. Um, that and what's even stranger than that is that that um, as I said wasn't from a very sort of financially sound uh, family or background so when I did get offered this position in Guildford I had I've still had loads and tons of overdrafts and credit cards and stuff from university I didn't have any money to my name I needed to come down put a deposit on a house I needed to you know uh, come down and move down I was starting on a pretty low uh, QA wage at the time as well so Hmm. I wasn't gonna get that much and um, when I was going to start the job it was a couple of months later um, it, wasn't, it wasn't directly at the time so I, was, I spent like a month wondering how the hell am I going to move down like I can't not take this job this is everything I've been building towards yeah. and then I found out that my uh, mum my had left me £10,000 in a,
0: oh in a bank goodness. account
1: I and mean, I used that money to move down to Guildford and yeah. take, take the job she always said she, she, she's like as part of that last conversation on the Sunday as well she said um, you know uh, I'll always make sure you can do what you want to do. Yeah. And even, even when I was a kid, that had involved driving me an hour to go to like an art club or doing something or going out of a way to make sure I could do what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, it was just strange that they were the last last act, I guess. Yeah. That's, making
0: sure that I could go and do that. That's astounding, yeah. But that's, I yeah, I would say like, you can look at that in a more quote unquote scientific way in the sense of like, it it wasn't fate, it was more like, Setting things in place and the hard work that she put in yeah. that, that that is instilled in in what you are, yeah. that just passed on that thing, so it was all solid planned stuff yeah. as well yeah but yeah
1: so it's, it's kind of like it's, it's a funny story because it's not necessarily it's not like it's, I mean, it's kind of sad yeah. but it also but it also makes me feel really good, I guess it makes me feel really thankful like it's a, it's yeah. a story about being being thankful for what someone's sort of sacrificed in order for you to do the things that you want to do.
0: So you, so you, so basically, it was QA. Yeah, was your first? Because if you think about like,
1: or... if you go and do one of those degrees where you you learn a little bit about everything, like yeah. a jack of all trades, master mm. of none. Mm. Um, there's a couple of positions that that lends itself really well to. One of those is QA. Yeah, because you understand the technical background to why these issues may be occurring. Mm. Um, and the other one's production. So it's it's no yeah. surprise that that's what my own career path is. Um, started working Q, in QA. Um, just as we were starting to make uh, Fable 2. Um, it's funny, because I was making Fable 1. I was playing Fable 1 at university while I was doing my exams, and then first job out, start working on Fable 2, which, <laughs> which is insane. Um, but yeah, I did that. Worked, just worked really hard, sort of my analytical nature and logic way of thinking and hard work, I guess, is what sees you through. Um, ended up working with, uh, Gareth, who you also know from Hello Games, we started working and went on Fable 2, yep. I think he was like 18 at the time, he was like super young, um, but yeah, uh, worked on that and then went to go and be a producer on Mylon Kate, so went upstairs, that transition that QA people talk about, it's like how do you go from QA to the dev team? From the
0: basement. Yeah, yeah. from the basement <laughs> to the, the penthouse. The, the trap door opens and a light <laughs> yeah. sort of beams Who do they through.
1: select? Just like a big glowing hand descends into the basement, <laughs> selects those worthy enough.
0: Plucks them out. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, just ended up doing, um, working in production on My Own Kate for like a year and a bit whilst we were developing that. That was an interesting thing to work. It was brand new tech. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden I was being a producer, having to manage meetings with people, who made all the Bullfrog games that I played when I was younger, (laughs) and still having to try and be like a forceful, assertive person, when really you're still fanboying out a little bit.
0: Inside you go, Yeah. (laughs) Amazing, yeah. Yeah,
1: that was an interesting journey. And then working, did a bit of production on Fable 3 as well. Um, And then when both of those two finished up, that's when I ended up going to Hello Games, past that point as well.
0: How did you get there? How did you get to Hello? Who did Uh, you know, like? (laughs) What was so, the kind of? Uh, so,
1: uh, Sean's wife was actually a project lead on Fable. Yeah, yeah. So she recommended me to Sean, and then I, I ended up switching over. So we didn't actually look for any jobs. And I remember they, um, I'm pretty sure Lionhead paid me some weeks in advance, and I actually started work at Hello Games like on the Monday. So we got like double pay for like <laughs> that Fabled Fabled Hello uh, double pay. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. I guess that's just like it's um, sort a of reflection on working hard and having an impact. I guess. I've mm. always tried to have that emphasis on being remembered.
0: Yeah. Like not being loud or
1: obnoxious, but making sure that people remember who you are.
0: That what you've done and what you said is, is impactful and, and, and yeah. interesting enough to like, be like... And not
1: just like drifting by, gliding by and doing the bare minimum that you can. Yeah. For the paycheck. Yeah. Like at, even at that point, when I first started working in games, obviously the goalposts shift then. Because your original goal of saying I want to work in games hmm. now has to be something else. So that goal then changed to I wanted to own my own game studio by the time I was thirty.
0: Right. Which is
1: which is a an ambitious aim again. <laughs> You're like oh you know why not why not yeah yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, went to there and I ended up working at Hello Games because it was a good opportunity to. You know I was going to be the only producer on the team. Yeah. So for me that was learning how to run a small team, and get deep into how to run a small business. Mm. So I was looking after a, you know, really random stuff We're like oh we need new carpets doing find a carpet guy. It was like we need to do the tax returns, doing the tax returns on the payroll. <laughs> like we need to plan to get everyone in a truck to go down to Gamescom go and do that.
0: Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Gives you that kind of yeah. Like which has got to be massively useful though in the in the long term because it's like if anything needs doing, no matter what the kind of area, like, yeah. you you can sort of step up to that and go oh, sort well, that out. That's up. what I mean.
1: Like, I've, like at this point, I've done the big thing. I've done the Microsoft thing and yeah. working with you know 100, 200 person team. Hmm. I've done the small thing, working with six people at Heller Games, and I've done the medium ground thing. Now where i I've got a 10 person team in a much larger studio. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel that when the time comes, I'll be perfectly prepared to. Look after stuff.
0: You've got that range. Yeah. So let's talk about landing at, at us too. Then. So you come in. Yeah. I mean, so actually, before I do that, what made you want to move to like a smaller team from there? Like, what was it? What was it? What was the main impetus? It's.
1: I mean, there's, there's a couple of reasons, and I've spoke about these a couple of times. Um. One of them is that. I needed to get more ownership over what we were making and have more of an impact on that side. I saw that as part of my own yeah. personal progression. Um, and no matter, you know, it's, if it's a small team like Hello Games, it's always going to be the, the passion of a few people. But not everyone. You're not always going to get that control. Hmm. Um, and what I was offered here was, we've got a games team that's a couple of members big. Hmm. You join us and help, help develop this and nurture this into a much larger team that's capable of amazing things. Yeah. So it's a really hard thing to try and pass down. And not only that, but get a lot of creative input into what we were making and how we were going to make it mm. and how that is positioned. And and being able to shape what you want that team to be as its own little mini company. Yeah. You know, what is what is the team's identity? Not just for that game, but for everything you're going to do going forward. The yeah. longer term vision, I guess. And I couldn't have any impact on that when I was at Hello Games. Mm. Um, another reason was was that like I, I'd seen an opportunity that Games needed to be more about making games for everyone as opposed to making games for gamers. Hmm. So I thought the best way for me to do that was to move to a studio that had non-game people in it. Yes. I mean, we we make Monument Valley and we always bang the drum about, hey, it's a game for everyone. You can give it to a six-year-old kid. You can give it to someone who's a 40-year-old banker. You can, you know, give it to anyone and they'll find something enjoyable about it. Um, I truly believe that comes from being around normal people yeah. Like I'd, working in games, i got really, really bored of just working in basements with middle class white dudes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I suddenly got here and it was like, wow, there's like 15 different languages spoken in the studio. Yeah. There's a pretty even mix, male female mix. Mm. You know, a good sort of racial background mix and sexual orientation mix. It's, yeah. That's how you make fresh, interesting stuff mm. is having that composition. Yeah. Um, so that really interested me. I saw a good opportunity to, to make a statement. Like that, the yeah. type of games that we wanted to make.
0: That's interesting because, like, the fact of the matter is, the the consumer base and the customer customer base is a bit of a dry st- dry yeah. term. But people who play games like they do vary in terms of who they are, and, and they really do as much as yeah. certain demographics don't want to believe that. And you know, like it, that is the case now. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah. If you come to a place like this and you sort of put your put your stamp on it. Yeah. Um, that that's cool because then you're you're involving people who are more representative of the current demographic, and and exactly. allows you to make stuff that appeals, that's st- of quality and still appeals broadly. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. think
1: of user testing as well. Like when done user testing in the past, it's been oh, get families and friends down. Families and friends are either the families of game developers or other game developers, mm. and you come down and ultimately everyone goes, oh yeah, it's great or it's bad or what we do is we end up getting people who are like a programmer for an app that's you know, in one of the other teams or we get the yeah. financial director in or just get average people to come and play it. And that's the true test of whether our sort of user experience flow is correct and the way of teaching the player is correct.
0: Yeah.
1: Is if we can put it literally put it in the hands of anybody and they can figure it out. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. that's the biggest thing that you want is to try and overcome.
0: When you first turned up how did you feel about kind of? Because you've got a job, right? You, yeah, you turn it. Yeah. You've got a job. You've got to come in and you've got to be. I mean, people invited you in, but you still have to be like, right? You're doing that wrong, or that's you want to do it like this. And what kind of reception were you met with? I mean, did it? Was everyone? Um, Thing you, is, you have to be don't. You don't. You don't, but,
1: you don't do that. <laughs> that. Like that's always the trick. People say, "Yeah, what's it like to come in somewhere and say you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong?" Yeah. anyone who needs to come into anywhere in a position of leadership whether you're right at the top you're going to start as a studio head at a massive AAA studio you don't come in and start telling people what's right and wrong you come in and earn the trust of those people first and work alongside them because yeah. otherwise they're not going to value the opinions that you have I mean you may have a bit of reputation behind you but for the most part it's, it's about taking some, some time to have a back seat you know, and, I, and I was talking about how to maximise the relationships and the environment that you have yeah, and different people respond in different ways. I know, I know how to speak to our tech director and get the best out of him, and that's a very different way of approaching and communicating with that person than it is with Ken, who's our art director. Yeah, some people need to be guilt-tripped into thinking they're not doing as good as maybe they can do. I know you can do better than that, man. Why are you not doing better than that? <laughs> Other people need to be um, sort of really worried or time pressured into doing the best work. Mm. You know, there's lots of people respond in different ways like there's, there's a lot of things people talk about um, sometimes it's the context and it's the words that you actually say sometimes it's the tone of voice that you use when you speak to someone mm. sometimes it's your body language some people don't respond well to being taken into a room one on one and being spoken to other people do yeah. it's about taking a back seat and understanding how your team works first yeah. Yeah. before coming in like a bull in a china shop and <laughs> messing everything up Yeah. but I mean e- even for us like we've been pretty flat Across the course of Monument Valley There's, we didn't necessarily have one set leader, we all just pulled in the same direction yeah. um, and that was kind of, it felt like everybody's, it didn't feel like one or two or three persons game and the rest of them were just wheels and cogs in this machine
0: Yeah, you can yeah. ask
1: anyone on that team out there whether it feels like part of them and it does Yeah, I think that's that shows in the game that's why the game feels human as well
0: yeah, that's good and you think that's, a, you know, that's the key to like The secret to making this stuff is that you're not—you are involving everyone. Yes, emotional investment. Similar level. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: You get the best out of people when they feel emotionally invested in it. Yeah. Like we—we get asked. I mean, the dynamic here, as I said, we've got a ten-person games team Mm. in this London studio, and there's probably another 110 people in this building as Mm. part of us too.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And they work on a whole bunch of stuff, some like app work for clients and some of their own products as well. And we get asked. It's like you know. I just wanna learn more about how you guys made Monument Valley, How is it that you made this a success. And when it comes to planning especially, we get so many free wins. <laughs> because they have to do things like activities to know how each other work, because the, the teams are always changing. They change like, you know, a lot of teams change on a month-by-month basis. Yeah. We don't have to do that because we've worked for two years mm. in close proximity to each other. Mm. We don't need to get people excited about what they're working on, because it's theirs. It's not a client saying, you must make this. Yeah. It's theirs, an expression of
0: themselves. You'd have to build that culture of people kind of Yeah like having to pet themselves up and be like, I am enthusiastic about this because they just yeah, start. <laughs> I mean just
1: think like everyone in that team has the same outlook that I do, where is they probably sat there as a kid and they're doing their dream job right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not about whipping people or telling them that they haven't accumulated enough story points this week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People just, people when it comes to even when it comes to milestones and stuff, who's gonna come up to release? Sometimes I get asked, it's like, why why are your guys crunching so much? Mm. And it's like, even if we did all the stuff that we set out to do and we had three weeks left, we would still be working all these hours to make it even better than we'd originally planned. Yes. Because yeah. people love what they work on that much.
0: Yeah. Do you think this is kind of the... You're looking at an optimum size with a, with a team like this in terms of, like, mm-hmm. you keep everyone invested. You There's this kind of... I'm 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 half answering it for you, so apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you agree with me. That's yeah. that way. Um You everyone's involved to a level because the size is about right, where they they look at it and they think, yeah, I've I've been I can feel my involvement with this, yeah. and and you know, and it keeps it fun, like because you're thinking this is I can see this being this sort of coming together in front of my eyes, as opposed yeah. to a bigger studio where you get to if we take an extreme example you know the really big level shooters where it's like you've got your bit but then that's just sent off and it's lost in this massive stuff and like you might the kind of thing where you get someone they'll read about a bit someone will read like Write a review and they say, like, oh, the, the crates were nice. And you go, oh, I did the crates. Yeah. That was me. You know, like. Or you get the reverse
1: of that. I remember, I think it might have be been Fable 3, if I remember this correctly. Yeah. Someone had implemented an audio system that affected things like footsteps and other interaction sounds based on material types and texture types yeah. um, in the world. And somebody forgot to tick the box before the build was made. The final build was made, and it never went in the game. Maybe it went in a patch. I don't know. Oh my goodness! But I vaguely goodness. remember this. Like something that you've probably worked on for months and months, <laughs> and you go past that point of no return, and that's it. No, it's gone now. The build's gone. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean. Like we, we've we've spent a lot of time this year thinking about how to how are we going to expand? Like, mm. do we just stay the same? Maybe we want to be bigger than we are now. Mm. If we made money from Monument Valley, what should we do with it? What should we invest in? Uh, and I think our approach to that has been to. Not start making games that are 20-people development teams. As you said, we want to try and maintain that, that emotional investment. Um, but just try and make more games. Yeah. So right now, we're currently making three games at once right. with 10 people. Yeah. And we, we are trying to hire more. Uh, we're looking for like a few new programmers and artists and such. But, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is maybe two years from now, we'll be 20, 25 people and working on a few things at once. I think that's the direction that we should go in. Yeah. and everyone should feel ownership over that and everybody should feel appropriately w- rewarded for that it, yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't necessarily be that you know uh, three or four people at the top get all the rewards and all the money for all this thing being a success yeah. and people get like a tiny little re- reward in there. it yeah. should be that if Monument Valley is making you know tens of millions of dollars then if those people have put their heart and souls in it, into it in the rough market that is living in London, I'd like to think that we can go, hey, put a deposit on a house or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not it's not a huge amount of money. It's a, I mean, that's that's assuming that we make money ever again. Which is never <laughs> a which is never a, uh, is never a dead cert. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. The um the previous episode I was talking to a chap Aubrey Hesselgrant, and he was um and he'll tell me, no, I wasn't I wasn't only responsible, like he, he'll downplay it, but he was um, the free running in Brink, right? Oh, yeah, cool. And that was like, I kind of joke, that was the good bit of... <laughs> 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 but like, it was such a nice system in the middle of this. And obviously, the yeah. it's kind of quite well documented that the development itself was really troubled. And, and there's a lot of, as a result, it didn't quite feel right. And, and there's all these kind of factors that are yeah. out of control of that individual effort in there that like... That's the other side of, our, you know, a company too big with too many interests pouring into it, compared to something a, a bit smaller. There's, there seems to be an optimum size for games these days. Yeah, right? I mean, you
1: know, if you are looking after the free running section on Brink, you probably felt like your voice wasn't strong enough mm. to change things. It's like I'm responsible for my bit, yeah, but I don't necessarily have an, enough sway to actually change the way we're making the game as a whole. Yeah, and if we're working, you know, let's say we decide to have six people per game on mm. our team. Everyone shoulders that responsibility to ship the best thing they can. Yeah. And they're just different types of games. Like we couldn't sometimes you need a big team to make the thing that you want to make. Yeah. You know? And they're all as valid as each other. They're just different types of games.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um let's touch on I know this is like the most asked question as too. So I'm going to try and touch on it a little bit and just take a slightly different angle, right? Yeah. So, we won't cover all grammar. explain it. If you don't know what this is, you can look it up. Um, the ones, the weird one-star kind of rage reaction when when you put out the DLC. The yeah. f- oh, God, my brain. Shores. Um, forgotten not, Charles Forgotten Charles. I forgot, yeah.
1: oh, I forgot. I forgot. You love our game, don't you? Hey, I love that game, yeah. <laughs> Biggest fan. Biggest
0: fan. <laughs> 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 I've always got it on here. I've always got it on my phone and my... <laughs> iOS device. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, in terms of like your personal reaction to this, right? So yeah. that reaction amongst some of the fan base. Yeah. What kind of? How did you think? Like, so you came in when you first learned about it. Yeah. And, like people have been like changing the reviews just to like out of some kind of weird. Like yeah, take back control. Like I went through different I went through
1: different stages of emotion at the time. So yeah. we released the expansion and as soon as we drop it, a number of people start like one star bombing the whole game.
0: So it happened almost straight away.
1: Yeah. Right. So like world, worldwide, well on iOS came on iOS first. Um, people start once, going back. So even game people who previously rated the game five stars were going back and rating it one star yeah. because they expected the expansion to be free and not paid. Right, so you know, I'll try to answer this on a personal level. Yeah, um, yeah, The yeah, initial yeah. reaction is, what? How dare you do this? We've worked for eight months doing this and you're saying it's not worth any of your money. Like how, how do we live in this world? I, I, I'm sick of this world, I'm moving. Um, that's phase one. Yeah. Phase two is, as an industry it's our own fault for diluting the value of our content so much that the player has been told to expect content for free. Yeah. That's the more rational opinion <laughs> that came through in, after the phase two. You know, yeah. people expect to buy a game and um, get serviced and get updates. Mm. Past that point, I mean, look at the the Badland guys. Are the same thing. They released free content after free content after free content, mm. and then they dropped one that was a bit more premium and actually cost money, and they yeah. got massive backlash. Yeah. Um, so it's not like We were the first for this to happen to.
0: Well, it's things like if you think about TF two, they. When it came out, it was yeah. very reasonably priced anyway. I think I yeah. got it for like a 10 or 12 yeah. quid. Yeah. And they put up an update up nearly every month, maybe every six weeks. Yeah. New levels, new content. And they did that for like two years yeah. or more? Just constantly adding free stuff. Yeah. And then they made it free and yeah. they said you can buy these cosmetic things if you want and it yeah. really doesn't and and even then people got upset about that because that's like the reverse
1: of it though it's like PC gamers are like it's the reverse of mobile gamers they're like we're used to paying for everything once and then getting everything yeah. whereas a lot of mobile gamers are like I don't even pay for anything and I still want free stuff <laughs> so
0: yeah it's an odd yeah like I mean, there's certain because obviously we were saying before that like Places like us too are a in trying to change that landscape of not these kind of what I would argue cynically made titles that are made yeah. to create a loop. It's all about creating a loop to create, a, you know, a revenue stream, and it's not about necessarily like if they make a good game, it's kind of a yeah. side product of making it profitable. whereas yeah, obviously do not
1: I don't, I don't always want to, you know, bash free games. A lot, no. of, a lot of really amazing free games out there as well. Hmm. Um, the way I always like to put it is. People say, sometimes ask like, hey guys, you did you did a really successful premium game. Mm. You know, that doesn't often happen, yeah. you know what I mean? Why do you think it is that you made a successful premium game? Um, and you know, I was talking to you earlier really about the sort of magazine industry and how the only way you can be successful in that space is to make it super high end, super high premium, that people couldn't get that. People look at Monument Valley and know that they couldn't get that level of polish and detail in a free title. Mm. Because that amount of work, so it's all about you know hours of gameplay. Yeah. when you Valley you run through it in 90 minutes do you know what I mean you can't get that in a free game it's just a imagine it like it's like sitting down and eating a really sumptuous filet mignon steak yeah right as opposed to going to sit in all you can eat buffet yeah,
0: yeah, yeah sometimes
1: yeah. sometimes you want both those things yeah but you're not going to get that top quality steak in the buffet yeah so let's just play to what our own strengths are and what that user base expects and give them something they can't get from elsewhere yeah that's kind of our emphasis with making
0: things yeah I think I think I can definitely see that I think one of the most one of the fairest free to play things I ever saw was um, you know New Star Soccer yeah I always liked the way he did that because obviously it's just one guy anyway so there's none of that kind of corporate interest there but he just went it was something like right you get 12 games to play 12 matches I mean and you play it and then his sort of thing pops up like do you like it yeah uh, it's 59p and you're like yeah fair enough yeah I like it (laughs) there you go it's like the most kind of like, uh, fine, yeah. done.
1: Just do it, all right. <laughs>
0: yeah. I just like the kind of straightforwardness of it. There's none of this like, oh, you've run out of football energy, you know.
1: It depends. I only have a problem. I only have a problem with things like supremacy goods that give people an edge on other players. Even if I, I don't know, a lot of people like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, the best example I always have of uh, freeze-play mechanics working really well is I play a lot of League of Legends. Do hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. A. "Quote unquote free game that nobody <laughs> nobody actually doesn't spend any money in. I think I've spent like you know probably about four hundred dollars or something in the last Ooh. few in the last few years though. Yeah, yeah the, yeah, amount, yeah, the amount of hours spent. Yeah, like I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. Like whenever I decide to buy currency, because I'm like, you deserve. I've not bought anything for a while, so you deserve me buying something.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the best dynamic you want. You don't want You don't want the player to be thinking I have to pay to play. Yeah, You want to be going, I'm in such an amazing time that you deserve some of my money.
0: Yes. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the dynamic that you want. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we, we might even experiment with something for you in the future. You don't know. Yeah. But it would have to be in a way that makes the player feel good.
0: Do you think it would? I think I know what the answer might be already, but if you... Say you just some ridiculously arbitrary, metaf- uh, not metaphorical, um, <laughs> theoretical... <laughs> Um, situation right where, it, where they say right well we we have to make Monument Valley right free to play we have to make yeah. it like a like a you know we've done
1: a Chinese version that is free have you? yeah da, 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 came out last week
0: <sighs> tell me about this
1: um, well not that much got changed because it came down to will you allow us to make more levels in Monument Valley and we said nope no one else will make Monument Valley levels apart from us because it's, it's a personal thing like I said earlier you know oh yeah yeah um so it's just in the special Chinese version, which with a, we, we partnered with iDream Sky for mainland China, because no, no uh, Google Play China, is there? So in iOS, it's done really well. We sell as many units of Monument Valley on iOS in China as we do in the US, right. which is really good. Um, the free version is the main game plus Forgotten Shores as one full game. Mm. And then it's it's just a sort of paywalled after a few chapters. There's right. like two or three paywalls. In okay. It. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to wait and see and see how that performs. But it's definitely not a good fit. You know, it's, yeah The free game is about how many hours of gameplay you have.
0: Yes. Because so. there's kind of this, this, this beauty to the presentation of the whole thing and, and, and yeah, the, like, the paywall is kind of an odd...
1: But why do you just... Sometimes we get mails, it's like, why don't you just release new maps? Why you release new maps? Like, you maps? That's maps. such a weird thing to it's call them. Such a weird thing. Like it's a numbers. Quake level or something. Yeah. Maps. Just like, on yeah. it. We'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just click the make map button now and put it That's out. That's
0: really weird.
1: Yeah, and it's not as easy. Like Another thing we always get asked is, why don't you just put a level a level editor in there and we can make our own levels? It's like it's not as easy as that. Like If you saw the levels in Unity and you rotate the camera like 10 degrees, you'd see how complicated they are. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, um, but you know, it's all sort of feedback we're trying to take on board, and you know, we want to go even bigger next time. Mm. Not necessarily, you know, not so bothered about the money, but it's crazy to think that, like, the game's so highly rated on on all the platforms, and within games, it's kind of well respected. Yeah. And whenever we do put it in someone's hands, they do love it. Yeah. So, but there's never a cost-effective way to put it in more people's hands. Hmm. Like, so take the house cards thing for, as an example game game appears on house cards out the middle. Yeah. well not out of the middle of nowhere we knew it was going to happen and that's not that was like it's not even really placement like the writers wanted to put it in the episode and they said can we do it we were like yeah of course we can we love the show
0: that is quite um, odd so did you just get just to touch on that a minute Did you well get no on? they asked
1: us Yeah, they said yeah. we've written it into the script can we do this and we said yeah that's <laughs> so, cool of we'll course. need to see the episode we we'll want to get a sign off on it first
0: yeah yeah
1: because um, you never know games sometimes get a bad rap in um
0: yeah, it might be used in a yeah. yeah. So
1: we're like, okay, let's see it first. Let's see it. Everything went. We did a special build for Kevin Spacey. It's funny when you see the episode; he basically cannot play the it like, game. <laughs> it's like fudging his fingers across the screen, like he's never played it before. Um, but yeah, that was like that was our second biggest sales spike. Like it's hitting right in the mainstream of people who see something that they like in a TV show, yeah. and they go out of their way to go and get it. Like um, somebody calculated in. Like one of the sort of Economist websites, they calculated that that feature on House of Cards was actually more valuable than like a Super Bowl halftime commercial. Yeah. In terms of uptick in sales and revenue,
0: just crazy. Yeah. But um, I can imagine that as well because it's not. It wasn't presented as like a straight advert. It's not. This is brought to you by Monument Valley. It, was, it wasn't. It
1: was like we couldn't. The, the review that the guy says in the episode. Is better than anything any games <laughs> journalist has written. So this is what happens when you get a professionally like TV writer to write you a game
0: review. It's so odd. Like <laughs> when I first saw that, I had to talk to you about it. Because I thought yeah. I wasn't sure whether it was like a meme that someone had because you know it could be so easy like superimposed onto a laptop screen and I've been playing something. Like yeah. I thought, is that like a joke? Like a joke meme, but like it was. It was well it does show that. That, that taps into what you're trying to do in terms yeah. of make it for people and make for people that's funny yeah like, humans. In, like, humans make yeah. it for humans but for uh, to re- to appeal yeah. to everyone who plays games these days rather than like this yeah. exclusive yeah, it does program. I'm just
1: trying to figure out extra ways to do it yeah. because we know that we put it in most people's hands let's say I don't know, maybe there's like 4 million downloads or something in Monument Valley you know yeah. compare that to how many mobile handsets out there or how many people I know would love the game mm. but like I can't, can't go around just going dropping like 30 grand on some banners in the middle of the Oxford Circus or something. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's not, there doesn't seem to be cost effective ways to reach all those people. Mm. Um, but we're trying. And then whenever we decide to do Monument Valley 2, which isn't right now, when we do that, it's going to be like, go big, go go home. Yeah. That's going to be like the full, full. Yeah. That's why we're not doing it right now. Like, there's a lot of planning involved in doing that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Like, The aim for that will be this. We want to make the most anticipated mobile game in history.
0: Right, right. That's the plan. That's cool.
1: Yeah.
0: What about you then to round up your personal? You were talking about this idea of you you once thought about like heading up your own own game studio by the time you're 30.
1: Yeah, it's it's June now, and I'm 29. And my <laughs> birthday's in August, so unless we get unless we get moving fast,
0: let's um, start writing some ideas. What what's most important to you these days about what you want to do with games, like I, be it like something very physical, like make this by then, or something more uh, intangible, like we we're talking about, like making games that appeal to that that, that broaden that and represent everyone who can, can and yeah. could be interested in games
1: first thing up is to uh, prove that Monument Valley isn't a fluke yep. that needs to happen I like to think it like like the rubber match in boxing it's like the challenger comes up and knocks <laughs> the champion out and the <laughs> champion has to have an immediate rematch to prove that it wasn't just like a one off yeah. um, I think we need to release a new game that blows that out of the water or at least competes with it
0: how are you feeling about that? how are you feeling it yourself? Like, in got, terms of? Got, got a
1: couple of things in the pipe yep. it's a lot of pressure yeah, because when we made MV, there was no expectation. It was like we had no identity, really, no identity to the public, anyway. Whereas now we've got all this bunch of fans and this sense of expectation that we never had before. So it's a really, really difficult thing.
0: Are you worried about doing something too different to Monument Value and people, and it might, and the kind of reaction that might get if they think this isn't what know. we expected? Well, or
1: like, one of the other things we've tried to do is just try and constantly surprise people. Like, part of me just wanted to get out something that was really, really short and bad <laughs> just to get over that duck, you know, that first <laughs> game. Like, yeah. if, if you have so much pressure on doing a follow up, just do the worst follow up <laughs> like on purpose and don't spend a lot of money on it. Um, you know, we've got a couple of things in the pipe. We're working a lot on VR at the minute as well. We're working on a game called Land's End for uh, Oculus at the minute. Right. So, again, that's taking the same principle. It's, when we set out to do Monument Valley, it was how do we create a game that's perfectly suited? For this platform mm. you know touch inputs swiping rotating things that really tactile nature of yeah. interacting with the device and then seeing what people were making for vr which was how do we do this first person shooter in vr which is the worst most sick inducing thing that you can probably do <laughs> it's like stop trying to you know fit a square peg in a circular hole or whatever the saying is yeah it's like let's look at vr let's see the things that work and control schemes that work and build it from the ground up perfectly for that so yeah, we're trying to do the VR version of Monument Valley at the minute.
0: Right, right. So that's that's pretty soon. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Yeah. And, that's and then
1: hopefully that that own studio thing of mine gets sorted out. I'm in no rush. No, I'm happy with making some, the things that we're making
0: right now. But it's still something that's in your head. Oh yeah, definitely I will
1: do. I now at this point I've gone I've gone even further into the future with the goals. Right now the goals stand at uh, own our part own a studio as soon as possible and prove that Mono Valley isn't a fluke. Mm. Then when I'm in my late thirties, and when uh, potentially I have kids, I don't want to have kids in London because it's like too busy and stuff. And it reminds me of all the good times I had growing up just outside of Manchester when I had forests and green things. Yes. Moved back to Manchester. Hopefully I have a bit of a name then so I can I can encourage other people to move to Manchester and set up a new studio up there. Um, and then run things up from there. And then maybe when I got older, sort out that thing about the games education in the UK.
0: Nice, there you go. You yeah, they're them. long-term goals.
1: Always have always have the goals in mind.
0: That's that's what you're about, isn't it, those goals? You know what you need to do? You need to write those on a, on a pinboard. <laughs> I know, fun.
1: I don't have a pinboard written.
0: Get one at home, mate, get those written up. Mate, one.
1: I'm so digital nowadays. <laughs> i are so, so, so next gen, we don't do pinboards anymore. Just I, I PIN have gear. it on my Pinterest.
0: You need to get... I actually don't, that's a joke. <laughs> you need to get a flat-screen TV. And write it in marker on your tally. I know, yeah. That's that's the next that's the next step man. And just and just leave it there. Never actually turn it on, just have it like that. Dan, thank you very much for joining me. Cool, thanks man.